Welcome to the Sif Spoil for the movie Annihilation. Oh boy, it's about to get really deep in here. Um, <laughs> not because it's flooding. Not because it's flooding. Uh, if you didn't listen to the podcast proper yet, number one, go do that first. We kind of go over our general thoughts there. If you haven't seen the movie, number two, go away. We don't want you here because we will spoil the movie for you. And even if it doesn't, even if you don't mind spoilers, it may be a little bit confusing because we just kind of jump around and talk about things that we want to hit, especially uh, from this the movie. movie. <laughs> yes. If you haven't seen this movie, the things we're about to talk about may be a little confusing to you. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to start, man? That bear, man. <laughs> you want to start with the bear? Oh, man. The or bear. whatever, the human-bear hybrid. It, it was terrifying. So the general idea of the shimmer is that it reflects not only light, but it reflects... DNA. DNA. Yeah. So that everything within the shimmer is being mutated and combined with other things. So this yeah. bear is also part human and kind of can speak yeah. human things. And the fact that it was screaming screaming with the voice of the character that it had eaten a little bit ago. Yeah. Just creepy stuff. Oh. That scene is so intense. Yeah. I found myself actually, I don't know if you've ever done this, you know, it's the cliche of putting your hand over your mouth like, like, Oh my gosh, this is so scary. I found myself doing that in the theater. Like, I'm yeah. like, I've never done this before. What is going on? What is this movie doing? Yeah. But that bear, man, that bear was so terrifying. Yeah. And also, at the end of the movie, the anthropomorphic silhouetted alien thing was just yeah. creepy as all get, man. Yeah, the alien. I'm just going to call it an alien clone. Yeah. Um, that was mirroring everything but it, Natalie but Portman it could, did. It could, only, it could only mirror appearance once it had been touched, it, it yeah. appeared. Yeah, um, which well, I, even, found, I found was interesting because her blood went into it, like she the blood she, it sucked in the blood and then yeah. it took upon her shape, but yeah. then when she touched it with her hand, it started to look like her. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot to go over here. Um, let's let's start with uh, the metaphor stuff we talked about. I, I, th- about I think yeah. that's the most exciting stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think cancer is the analogy. This world is, I mean, one of the characters literally has cancer yeah. and is going into this universe. Um, the idea of the cancer cell and what it does to the body is similar to what's going on in this universe, the way it mm-hmm. mutates and takes over. And I saw them as like the antibodies trying to go in and try and fight it off. But in the end, whenever an antibody goes towards a cancer cell, it becomes part of the cancer. Mm-hmm. So that's what I thought the big analogy was like. And we hear her talking, her job as a scientist yeah. is studying and, cancer. And I, that's where I think the most obvious outcome for this analogy is. is like, okay, it opens with that of her talking about cancer cells and stuff. And this thing is mutating the world. It's the cancer. So. We And there's a reason we use cancer for a metaphor in real life. We'll talk about somebody being the cancer on that team. You know, yeah. we'll talk about you know, those kind of things. And it's because there is this destruction in life, this mutation in life that happens um, that can destroy us. Uh, part of this movie deals with uh, an affair, deals with her having this affair because, you know, she didn't feel connected to her husband or, or whatever. And there's a conversation in the movie about why we fall apart, why we destroy our lives, why these things happen. And there's this really incredible, in my opinion, metaphor about cancer and, you know, why does cancer happen? Why does that fall? Apart? And also how we're our own cancer mm-hmm. in our lives. And the idea that, you know, cancer isn't evil. 
It's it's just, it just is. exists. It just is. And they, they, they uh, mentioned that a whole bunch in this movie, like this alien thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't trying to destroy you. It just was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you, it's it, it metastasizes, so to yeah. speak, but it's not malevolent. You know, we speak of cancer as being malevolent. We speak of it as having an agenda. Yeah. Um, and there's even a point, I think, where they ask, you know, what did you feel like the creature wanted? And she, I don't think I don't it wanted anything. I don't think it wanted anything. I think it was just doing what it, you know, what it does. Yeah. So, man, I found all that stuff deep and fascinating. And the reason I enjoy, or not enjoy, but the reason I respect the end of this movie, and the big twist being that Oscar Isaac character that comes back at the beginning of the movie um, is actually a clone, an alien, you and know, so version. She, yeah. Um, uh, allows, uh, uh, hold on just a second, because I want to go with the so is she part. Because I didn't think that at all. Really? Really. So we'll get there. But um, but that he is a clone that has survived. And then his real person blew himself up with a phosphorus grenade yeah. in the lighthouse. Yeah. Right? And so she comes back and says to him, you're different now. Right? Yeah. And and then that has to be okay. Like she she I forget I wish I remembered the exact dialogue, but it was this to me it was representative of how when destruction or change or evolution or mutation happens in our lives, that there is a new beginning. Like there has to be, okay, this is a different version of what my life was, what my life is, who this person is even, but I can only go here forward. Uh and it speaks to that, I think, in an interesting way. Yeah, I want to deal with what, what do you mean? So is she? Because both of their eyes were glowing at the end of the movie. Oh, because he did something to her. Oh, you think is, so? is, that's how I interpreted it? Is that there's a change that happens because to not only you but the people around you? I thought it was more of like uh, this is going to get really weird. For no, me. no, no, okay, no. You're so good. You're good. <clears throat> I figured how would it how would it have been the clone though? Whenever it pressed up against her, whenever she was on the door, yeah, I think that we are supposed to believe that it was switching places with her. Yeah, consciousness with her. No, I don't think so. I think that was I think that was representative of or like it was imp- the pressure. It of- was imprinting itself onto her. So even though she killed the entity itself. It was still within her now. Okay, I don't. I don't see. I like. I don't think so. But again, mm-hmm. with movies like this, yeah, it's totally open to interpretation. And I think that her setting it on fire with the phosphorus grenade is akin to like chemotherapy or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that him still being alive and her now carrying this is like cancer coming back after remission. Mm. Like it's going to reappear, you know. Interesting. Let me uh, let me add another metaphor that I think can be laid on top of this that uh, that I think works, and that's depression. I think there's a really interesting uh, in, in really any kind of <laughs> mental illness or mental issue, you know, in dealing with those things. Um, there's a real interesting thing about self destruction and um, depression that I think interplays with a lot of what's going on with these characters. Um, the idea that she was dealing with loss and she's also dealing with her own choices. And do you think the different stages of grief are represented in this movie? Like possibly. acceptance and yeah, you know, I, now that I'm thinking about it, like the acceptance is possibly what's going on at the end of this movie, you know, with her and Oscar Isaac. Yes. That's what I saw. Okay. Yeah. 
So it's possible. Like the I don't know how many how many stages of grief are there? Six, <laughs> seven, maybe seven stages. There's of always grief. seven. Yeah. But yeah, that's a possibility. You know, there. That's the thing with the metaphorical movie. You can create whatever. Uh, meaning you want out of a movie like this. The good ones point you in a direction, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and allow you, especially if they're very human like this movie is. It's a very human movie. Yeah. It allows you to see different parts of humanity in what's going on. Um, so, and I, I think you will see, this is the kind of movie you will see dissertations on. You will see people really pull out specific things like the you know the antelope that completely mirrored itself and you know had flowers growing out of its horns or whatever or you know pulling out these pieces and going what if this represents this and and really i think you'll see some real deep dives on this movie or when that that deer like cloned itself you know and like Mm -hmm. one of it was perfect and the other was destructed you know like Mm -hmm. or um a part of this movie I found to be, I think we were supposed to find terrifying, but I found incredibly beautiful was when Tessa Thompson turned into the tree. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that is just so beautiful. But I am I feel like I'm supposed to be, you know, scared right now, but I've, I'm just overwhelmed with how beautiful this is. No, I think that was the feeling you were supposed to get was <laughs> yeah. the the battle of those feelings. Yeah. Um, and whether you lay on top of that, the metaphor of, you know, loss and cancer and those kind of things. And some people, um, you know, uh, handle it with a grace and handle yeah. it with an acceptance that others don't necessarily. Yeah. Um, man, I found that so fascinating. The idea that, that uh, those plants had human DNA, the part of human DNA that made them shape themselves like humans. Yeah. That's a really fascinating idea. Yeah, it was I love that beautiful. Um, we we discussed earlier in the podcast proper about we wish this movie was more linear because at the beginning of this movie they tell us that she's the only survivor. Yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't like that necessarily. Exactly. Um, I, I agree with what you also said of how it's okay to not have fully linear. You know, you can you know flash back to like her having the affair and stuff like that, but. Too many times I think they went back to her in the isolation chamber with Benny or uh, Benedict Wong mm-hmm. and him like asking her questions and stuff. I think that could have been serviced all at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, or at least not give away some of those things. Yeah. Like um, uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus, or I mean, uh, <laughs> Julie Jason Lee. I was like, <laughs> Jennifer Jason uh, Lee. Jennifer Jason but Lee. I, was like, having- I don't remember. Her having cancer, I think, could have been a cool thing to like mention at the end of the movie. You know, do you make that mistake because Dreyfus is dealing with cancer? Isn't she dealing with cancer right now? Her, yeah, she. Uh, yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it, it subconsciously, possibly subconsciously, or maybe just because I'm an idiot. One, <laughs> one of the two. Maybe the maybe latter. The Pro- me- probably the latter. That's the metaphor of this movie. Is, is where how the subconscious turns us into idiots. Yeah. Um, I think beyond even the metaphor, there's some great stuff here. Uh, the one negative I had that I can talk more in detail, uh, now, uh, isn't actually as much tied to what you were talking about with the, the early stuff. It's tied to when they go in, they lose four days, right? Yeah. When she's talking about it, she's like, um, they say something about how did you survive? How long did you think you were in there? You were in there six months. Um, you know, there's like an, like an inception interstellar time change kind of quality to it. Yeah. Then I'm not sure. I'm not sure why that's important. I'm not sure what or that does. Or how it happens. Yeah, and there's, exactly. There's nothing. It's never really resolved in any way. Like it's never even referenced in the last, you know, part of the movie. Yeah. Um. 
I just, I'm not sure. The only thing I could wrap my brain around is metaphorically the idea of time ceases to matter in moments of crisis. Like okay. when, like, you know, if you have a, a disease, a day can seem like a month or a month can seem like, I mean, maybe that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. But I, I, it felt like the weakest part of the strangeness of the movie and a little bit unnecessary and distracting. I'm curious to find out is the book more as metaphorical about the cancer as the movie is. I bet it's not. You don't think so? I'm guessing, again, from what I've read from people who've read the book, it is just a completely different... He took some of the stuff from the book and made a completely different thing out of it. Okay. Which kind of goes along with the theme and the metaphor of the movie in some ways as well. So can you really blame Garland whenever (laughs) the book is asking him to? (laughs) Uh, But let's see, what else? The Lighthouse. Um, the sound culminating, you know, in that so loud, it got you know? so loud uh, during that lighthouse scene. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Jennifer Jason Lee, her character going there, because at some point there's a character of her with a misshapen face, yeah, and then there's a character of her that looks like her, yeah. I don't know that I followed what was going on there. See, maybe that's what I was talking, thinking of whenever the creature was taking on the form of whoever it touched. Like that's maybe that's why I think, but I think it creates a creature for, I think you look yeah. into, because in his camera, we see that he looks into this thing and then we see that he has two of him. Yeah. So, and we see her look into this, you know, crazy vortex thing and, you know, draw some of her blood and starts creating the second. So I think it creates a second version of, you know, whatever comes in contact with it. Yeah. So, but I don't know. Honestly, I don't think 24 hours is enough time to fully analyze this movie. <laughs> oh, no, totally. Yeah, I'm so, totally with you. So I think this Sif spoil here is more of a uh, shot in the dark. Is this what this movie means <laughs> sort of thing? But these are the thoughts we're thinking, right? And yeah. And that's what I think. I, I mentioned to somebody that this is one of those... Those movies that hangs in your brain like a like a string, and you're the cat that wants to keep like pawing at the string. Yeah. I'm so glad and, that I'm not the only one who caught that cancer metaphor, because I was afraid. Like, really, that's what you thought of the movie? Because with a movie like this, it can also kind of make the audience feel dumb. Mm-hmm. Is if you're like, I want to analyze this movie, and the movie's trying to tell you. It can mean whatever you want it to, but here's our general well, maybe not, thoughts. Maybe not whatever you want it to, but it, it lays a groundwork for a very specific type of but you I, know, feeling. But I still think that there are parts of this movie, like, if this is what it, you took away from it, then more power to you. Well, because Garland, wa- I think what Garland wants is you to take away an emotion, a feeling, and yeah. then let it mean what it means to you, but as, long, but as long as you feel a certain way about it. And that feeling of being you know grossed out and feeling like something's beautiful at the same time or being scared and also in awe at the same time like those are the feelings he wants you to have i think that's a better way of saying what i'm trying to say Mm. so yeah Yeah. you're just better at words than me (laughs) you and your diction and your vocabulary stranger than diction stranger than diction That sounds like the porn version of that movie. <laughs> oh, no, no. No, that didn't just happen. Yeah. No. You did it. I, no, I did not. Yeah, you did. I did not. You made that change. <laughs> Take a look at yourself and make that change. Anything else you wanted to uh, to go over? Um, Man, that bear. <laughs> you just keep going back to it. Yeah, that is the worst 
Paddington sequel I've ever seen. What about the, um, what are some other moments that you'll remember? What about the empty pool and the video that, of his intest, some sort of creature squeezing his intestines? See, I didn't know if that was the, I didn't know if that was just his intestines moving around, like his DNA changing. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what it's supposed to be. I didn't know if that, or if it was something actually inside him, but then him blooming into that monstrous flower thing on the yeah. wall. It was kind of eerie. And oh, like, it was incredible. Yeah. Because I'm like, am I supposed to find this beautiful or terrifying? Yeah. Or both? Yeah. The, the whole movie was like that. Um, but man, that whenever that bear started screaming in her voice, it was... <laughs> <laughs> Bears. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be thinking about it for a little bit. Me too. I'm going to be thinking about this one. The movie in general. The movie in general, not just demon evil bear. I'm gonna be thinking about it. It reminds me a lot of how I felt coming out of Mother. Yeah. Did we ever have the Mother conversation? Did we do a podcast on Mother pre-show conversation? Okay. Yeah. All right. It reminds because, me a lot of that feeling because this is that's an example of a movie where I came away with a different metaphor than you did because mm-hmm. I think you came. Well, away- lots of people came away that that movie is interesting, and then I think it has a tr- a trinity of metaphors. Yeah. Uh, that are very intentional. I think the most prevalent one is Mother Nature and God, you know, and him creating man and man, destroying Mother Nature, stuff like that. But yeah. I came away with more of anxiety and mental illness. Yeah. Because, you know, maybe it's just the state of mind I was in my life I found to be so a perfect analogy for what I was going through at the time. Yeah. That that's what I took away from it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm excited to read. I'm excited to read people's takes on this movie. I am too. You know what I mean? Like that's that's my next step is to go online and just take in the symbolism that people found that I didn't see. Um, and I think that's going to be a beautiful thing. I hope Garland never actually says what he wanted this movie to be about. Just let let us all have this I, conversation. Yeah. I you know I I go back and forth. I don't I don't mind if he says his intention. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily want him to be explicit about specific symbolism. Yeah. Um, but then again, I don't mind. No, I don't mind. I don't, because it doesn't change it for me. It doesn't change the movie's ability to be about other things just because the creator of the movie meant one thing. Um, or meant. That's interesting. So you don't think that intent can change the meaning? No. I think if you're a smart creator, you understand that the audience determines meaning. Um, okay. In fact, that's one of the first things you learn in communication theory is the what you intend to communicate to someone, the actual meaning of what you say is determined by the person who hears it, not by the person who says it. I've so never you, thought about it that way, and that is so fascinating. Isn't it? You are yeah. not in control of the meaning of what you communicate. What you're intending to communicate doesn't matter. What the person actually receives is what matters. So, Theoretically. Theoretically, yeah, I can understand. I I know what you're saying, and now it makes sense. But at the same time, I think that the listener has the um, responsibility to understand intent. Sure, and that's where it's good. That's the second part of that whole process is understanding that communication is also a thing that bounces back and forth. Yeah. In order for it to be as clear as possible, it requires reverberation. Yeah. And so that's in, in much of the problem we see with conflict in our world is people who don't understand that second step of, Oh, here's what you meant. I know what you meant when they haven't done the reverberation of really checking in and, and making sure they're, you know, in on the meaning. But at the end of the day, meaning is determined by the listener, not the speaker. Yeah. Which is which is scary. <laughs> it's for somebody who says a lot of things and puts them out there. 
I think, get, I you think, get to determine what I mean. But then again, we don't talk about very many political or, you know, sure. quote unquote serious topics on this yeah. channel. Uh, I think we're pretty safe in the entertainment world. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part. For the most part. For now. Um, but I say that to say, I think Garland would be aware of too. In fact, I think I actually just read an interview with him where he said that specific thing. Really? That the movie is, what the movie means is determined by the person watching it. Uh, no matter what he intended. So I don't mind hearing what he intended because it doesn't change the movie's ability to mean different things. I think even going back past Ex Machina and going back to like, even though he didn't direct 28 Days Later, you know, or... Um, I may need to revisit that. Or the fact that, you know, I think he also wrote um, Sol- Solaris. I think he did. Did he? I think so. Because he did a lot of the... Um, what is that director's name? It's going to drive me crazy. Danny Boyle. Mm-hmm. He he wrote a lot for Danny Boyle going uh, before he came out with Ex Machina. Like him and uh, Garland were tied at the hip for a while. Yeah. So I think he learned a lot from a visual because if you watch a lot of Danny Boyle's movies, they're very visual and artistic. And I think maybe he learned a thing or two from Danny Boyle and he just... Sunshine is the one you're talking about. Not Solaris. Yeah. Sunshine. Yeah. He wrote Sunshine. Yeah. And Thanks. Dread. Yeah. <laughs> I love Dread, man. Um, I really do. Uh, Alex Garland is two for two. Um, yep. He is, I'm, I'm just looking at his Wikipedia. He's 47. Yeah. I don't know if you knew how old he was. He'd been writing for a long time. We are born on the same day. We share a birthday. What? Yeah. He was born exactly five years before I was. Wow. Yeah. So does that mean in five years you're going to come out with your very own? I'm sorry, I've got time. I've yeah. got time, man. You've got plenty of time. <laughs> five years is an, is you know an eternity from now. That's right. You yeah. tell him. Yeah. Well, there you go. You have been Sif spoiled. Woot woot. Um, I would love to hear your feedback. What did this movie mean to you? Feel free and let us know. Hit us up feedback at Sif Pop or just hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to have those conversations. Um, although when you're dealing with spoilers, I guess Twitter is a public place. So it becomes a little trickier. So. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we would love to hear your opinions uh, on the movie. If you liked it or didn't like it, uh, let us know. And uh, we'll catch you back next week. Um, not sure if we'll do spoilers on Red Sparrow or not. Depends on how things go. Um, but we'll catch you next week with the podcast either way. All right. Bye. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.